नमस्ते गाइस आई एम डॉक्टर अनुश्रुति एंड आई एम बैक विद एन अमेजिंग एपिसोड इनफर्टिलिटी वेल दिस प्रॉब्लम डज नॉट ओनली अफेक्ट अ वुमेन और अ मैन बट इट अफेक्ट्स अ कपल इट अफेक्ट्स अ फैमिली इट अफेक्ट्स अ लॉट ऑफ ड्रीम्स एंड होप्स मोस्ट ऑफ द टाइम्स पीपल आर नॉट अवेयर अबाउट सच इश्यूज एंड दे आर लेफ्ट अनआंसर्ड अबाउट इट सो आई थॉट व्हाई नॉट टू ब्रिंग a master of this a genius of this to answer all the questions you guys have in mind about infertility so today on board i have dr katie rose who is obsessed with helping people overcome fertility challenges so why are we waiting and what are we waiting for let's directly speak to her hello dr katie how are you hi i'm doing well thank you thank you so much for joining in well i really want to know on behalf of the people who are listening and watching this episode what exactly is fertility and what exactly is infertility absolutely so fertility is the ability to conceive to get pregnant infertility is defined as the inability to conceive after 1 year of trying in a couple in which the woman is under 35 or 6 months of trying in a couple in which the woman is over 35 and our rates of infertility <coughs> are growing oh uh, why do you think i mean you would have come across a lot of cases where people actually misconcept infertility as in just to be related with a woman have you come across this like many people do not actually know uh, i mean in india uh, just a few years back there was this uh, thing prevalent that people did not know the gender of the baby was actually dependent on the father's side the women were almost you know to be blamed about this but the things are changing in that sense but still i have seen a lot of people they do not know that infertility is not just restricted to a women's body to a women's reproductive health but also to a man's what are your It's, thoughts about it well it's not just thoughts it's facts right um so this is not my opinion this is a well studied phenomenon that male infertility accounts for up to 60% of cases of infertility within a couple and it makes sense because sperm carries half of the dna responsible for producing an embryo for producing this new human and they they carry that other chromosome that's responsible for the gender Yeah so you are very correct. Why is it happening? Like why do people do not know? Like is it because of lack of information or misinformation I would say why is this prevailing so much and is the situation same in uh, states and other parts of the world? It is. I and I I'm not sure internationally like how you know sex education is you know produced however in the United States only 17 states mandate accurate sex education. So there is a lot of misinformation there's a lot of lack of information these things are still sort of shrouded in stigma even in you know what would be considered by some people a progressive country but we're not getting the education at an early age so often it happens that you know a couple is finally ready to build their family they don't understand these basic working concepts of our bodies and it isn't until they're diagnosed with infertility that they start learning about this So and when what, it comes to yeah. go ahead please continue 
Well, when it comes to male infertility, I think because there's a lot of shame and stigma around this and men don't want to believe that something is their fault, the conversation often gets shoved to the side until they've ruled out every possible scenario with a woman when really this should be dealt with side by side from the beginning of the journey. Absolutely. And what are some factors that affect fertility? So this is interesting. In male fertility, we understand that the environment is a big factor. Now, there's a book that was published last year called The Countdown by Dr. Shanna Swan that looks at how specifically phthalates and chemicals that are found in the environment through our drinking water, our food, our atmosphere have contributed to the decline of sperm counts. And it's easy to study sperm. It's not as easy to study eggs. So we could potentially extrapolate this information towards you know, female bodies and how it may have affected egg quality or contributed to diseases such as PCOS or endometriosis, because we know that environmental factors can make those conditions worse, but it's much harder to study those conditions. It's much harder to study egg quality because it involves a woman going through IVF to take those eggs out. That's it's a really difficult process to go to. So do you think that people, uh, you know, the young boys and girls who just attain their puberty, uh, their parents should actually work upon their fertility, like maintaining a good diet, a good sleep routine, and, you know, in a nutshell, a yes. good and healthy lifestyle. Because we've often seen, you know, men, the male child puberty is almost ignored because there are not certain, uh, you know, landmarks over that puberty uh, states as in, in females, we do have periods, the onset of periods, the onset of menstrual cycle. So women and men, both young and uh, young women and men, their parents should actually amplify this thing to have a healthy lifestyle since then, to have a good sleep routine, to have proper diet, good food, good fruit. Do you think, am I right in this sense? Yes. So, so right. And it's, you know, it's something that even while a woman is pregnant and she is growing this baby inside of her, she can be focused on her own health because what we are exposed to in pregnancy has the ability to turn genes on or off in our children as well. So we have the ability to affect several generations by how we are eating, consuming foods, being exposed to things in the environment, sleeping, managing our stress. But as early as you can, yeah, as early as you can build this healthy lifestyle in children, the better, truly the better. Absolutely. And uh, is it like linked to hereditary as well? If a mother who was infertile for a while, and uh, let's just say that a doctor like you, Dr. Katie, is helping her out to conceive and she, by God's grace, conceives a baby. So will the girl child or the, you know, the boy child in their future will actually uh, consider or have high chances of infertility? Not necessarily. So with, with conditions such as PCOS and endometriosis, where there is a genetic link, maybe, you know, just because someone has those conditions does not mean that they will be infertile but it does increase the risk for infertility. And those conditions do tend to be more generational. But when it comes to male factor infertility, there does not appear to be a genetic link. But you know, if 
one family is all exposed to the same chemical environment, that would pique my interest and make me wonder if there could be an issue there too. Okay, now coming to some Instagram posts, you know, we have come across a lot of Instagram doctors without yeah. any degrees, just like Google doctors who have certain treatment to certain problems and they just post anything, whatever comes to in mind. But some of the information is actually true and most of them is not true. So this, this phase, the segment we are in right now, to just burst all the myths and facts we have seen across Instagram and which people tend to believe blindly. So guys, today I have Dr. Katie to burst all these myths <laughs> for you guys. So listen it carefully. Well, number one, I have come across a post which says, okay, now this is not my personal thoughts, personal opinions, but a post as it is. And you need to tell me if it is a true thing or not. So the number one right. post says that masturbation for both women and men causes infertility if they masturbate when they are in their young age. Big myth. Big, big myth. <laughs> Don't you think you, you would have also come across such posts like I have seen if you do this for five times a day, you are making yourself infertile for the future. Uh, I don't come across so much of that. I'm also pretty careful about who I follow personally. And, you know, I, I check credentials. Like if someone follows me and they say, oh, infertility blogger, it's like, well, I, you know, what is, what is their actual credential behind this? And I don't personally want to get distracted. Um, so I've been careful about that. Um, you know, when we have a situation where we have male factor infertility and we want to make sure that um, sperm is getting where it needs to go. That may be a situation in which I say, you know, during the woman's fertile window, which only lasts five days a month, um, let's make sure all the ejaculate is going <laughs> to her. So we, we want to make sure that if someone has low sperm count or issues with motility that we, um, maybe limit masturbation during the fertile window so that we are getting sperm where it needs to go. But aside from that, no, masturbation has no associations with infertility. So all the young boys and girls who are just listening and was worried about to have to listen a yes for this, you guys are safe. If you didn't know. <laughs> okay, moving on. The next post says, having coitus, having intercourse with multiple partners with precaution or contraceptive causes infertility. Well, there is a potential association with the increased risk of STIs. So conditions like chlamydia or gonorrhea that contribute to pelvic inflammatory disease could increase the risk for infertility in a woman. We also see a sharing of the microbiome with the more partners you have. So just the general bacterial milieu, not even just infectious diseases, but that can potentially increase risks of infertility. So it's not to say that intercourse has an increased risk, but having multiple partners and not using cautions such as condoms could potentially increase the risk if there are infections involved. Okay. So moving on, we have another post which says abortion is linked to infertility. If you abort once, you are infertile for the rest of your life. Big myth. That's 
Um, obviously, if there were complications associated with that, such as sepsis, or if someone had an ectopic pregnancy that was not caught early enough and led to rupture or scarring of the fallopian tube, that could increase the risk of infertility down the line, but it has nothing to do with abortion itself. Okay. Another one, last one, the last myth or the fact says, consuming cigarettes and alcohol for a very long period of time in our life makes you infertile. It doesn't make someone infertile automatically, but it does increase the risks of more so we see issues with birth defects. So something like fetal alcohol syndrome and someone who has moderately to heavily drink for a long time, especially if they continue drinking during pregnancy, um, consuming you know, any form of tobacco and smoking doesn't necessarily increase the risk of infertility itself, but could contribute to fertility issues. You know, it damages our DNA. And if someone continues to smoke during pregnancy, we do see lower birth weight babies. We see higher rates of premature deliveries, and we see some cognitive issues in those babies potentially as well. Well, Bingo, we have just cleared all the myths and facts as much as we could collect. Moving on, I would personally like to ask you one question. Now, this is a Get Gritty question. Get Gritty with Dr. Anushruti is my podcast. So this question comes from Get Gritty. So the get gritty question for you is, as a fertility specialist, as a doctor, how difficult it is for you sometimes to deal with patients, with couples, you know, because this thing is so sensitive, so emotional, so sentimental. How do you actually break the eyes that they are infertile or they need to do certain uh, things or, you know, they are just incapable of doing it? And how do you motivate them? Like, what is that thing? How do you personally feel at that time? And what is your way to emotionally support such couples? That's a great question. I, my personal approach is non-judgmental compassion. So when people feel judged, when they feel shame, it's very hard for them to wrap their brains around whatever their condition is and whatever action needs to be taken to overcome it. When you can break it down into this is a fact. This doesn't mean anything about you as a person. This isn't your fault. There's nothing that you did to deserve this. This is just like someone who, you know, has back pain, like just because it's stigmatized because sex is involved with infertility does not mean that there's anything wrong with you. And this is a condition that, you know, 15% of the population of reproductive age is dealing with. So you're not alone. We have ways to overcome this. That is so great. You know, the best thing out of this episode today would be that this is not your fault. Exactly. Uh, Well, now the question which everyone is waiting for, how to boost fertility? Yeah, I know a lot of people, you know, would have come across to love to just listen to this question that what exactly is the way to boost fertility? So guys, your wait is over. And here, Dr. Katie is going to answer the question. (laughs) So some of this is going to depend on the individuals and this individual couple. My approach is very unique in the sense that I look at the individual. I don't give blanket recommendations, but some of what we already talked about in terms of a healthy lifestyle. So the Mediterranean diet, for example, is the best studied when it comes to improving fertility, getting enough sleep, 
and avoiding toxins. So one of the easiest ways is to you know, drink clean filtered water out of glass or stainless steel instead of plastic and avoiding perfumes and fragrances, which are associated with the decline in sperm count. So that is like a very general approach, but then it's going to depend on the individual couple in front of me too. And so some people may be, you know, IVF may be a very good option, but for others, something like IVF, you know, they, we need to prepare their body to go through that. They may not even need it if we're able to understand what their root causes of infertility are. So I think it's actually very important that everyone be able to have this assessment from someone who can look at their case as an individual. Okay. And uh, Dr. Katie, when do you actually suggest a patient, a couple to go for IVF? Uh, And also, you know, like most of the people, most of the couples who could not conceive, they opt for uh, adoption. So Mm -hmm. when do you actually do this? Like, is there a certain time that you guys, the doctor and the couple tries together to conceive naturally? And when is the time when you both feel that this cannot happen anymore and you go on for either IVF, test tube babies or uh, adoption process like that? Sure. Uh, That's also a really individual decision. And I want people to know that there's no bad option. There's just what is the best option for you at this time. So there are some scenarios, like if a woman has both of her fallopian tubes blocked, then there's no way for the egg to get into the uterus and develop. And so that would be a scenario in which IVF really is their best option to have a baby if they, if they want to carry a pregnancy. Um, Adoption, of course, is a really individual decision. And just because you opt for adoption doesn't necessarily mean it's easier or less expensive than going the IVF route. It's still a very emotional process. It can be very expensive and there's, there's a lot of nuances within that. So part of my coaching with patients is to really understand how to tap into their intuition to make these big decisions too, because there's a lot of outside pressure from a family member or friends or people who have uh, just witnessed this journey from the outside, but don't really know what it's like to go through it. And so that's really important to know for yourself from your heart, what is the best next step? That's so true. Also, Dr. Katie, my uh, question would be, uh, how can people actually know? Is it a way to understand their body pretty well before the time? As in, if there is a young girl, a young woman, a young boy, a young man, you know, who is not married yet, but can they just know that they are somehow, uh, you know, at risk of infertility, like having to see their period cycle, the menstrual cycle, period flow, or in men, the, you know, uh, the quality of sperm while masturbation, anything like, is there any way they can actually get into this and start their treatment, start their good lifestyle right away? It's a lot easier in some ways from the female perspective, because we have this outward vital sign with the menstrual cycles that they can learn how to track their cycles and understand their fertile window far before they actually start trying to conceive. And so I love the book, um, written by Tony Weschler that basically explains how to understand your fertility. It's called taking charge of your fertility. 
And it's for anyone who just wants to understand what their fertile signs are, whether they're actively trying to get pregnant or even trying to avoid pregnancy at that time. And for men, it's a little more difficult. So obviously if, if there's problems with ejaculation, if there's problems with obtaining or maintaining an erection, or they notice that, you know, when they ejaculate, there's, there's nothing that really seems to come out. Like that would be a red flag, but otherwise it's a lot more challenging to know from an early age, if a man might have issues with fertility, but if a woman has very irregular menstrual cycles, that's a red flag right off the bat. Okay. Uh, also, I had a question, you know, which most of the people had asked for this today's session, but I just uh, made them together, bring, brought them together. So the question is actually uh, how to ex know exactly when to conceive, when to try conceiving, because we know doctors, they do say, they do tell, but they do not actually clearly explain. Some people have this idea that right two days after the menstrual cycle ends, it is the right time to conceive. Some say that two days just before the menstrual cycle is about to start, it is the right time to conceive. When exactly is the right time to conceive? I love this question. So most women have a fertile window of about five days. And that includes the four days leading up to ovulation and the 24 hours after ovulation. Now, if we give the example of a woman who has a 28 day cycle, so cycle day one is the first day of her full bleed to the next bleed, about 14% will ovulate on day 14. So their fertile window would be starting at about day 10 until day 15. But this is where it's important to understand your own fertile signs. So some women may ovulate a little bit later and some a little bit earlier. And some women could get pregnant even during their menstrual cycle if they have a longer bleed period and they ovulate early. But that understanding of when your own fertile window is is really important um, because it obviously differs quite a bit across the population. So one sign to look for is the change in cervical fluid that happens about three to four days before ovulation happens for most women. And the reason the fertile window lasts as long as it does is because sperm can survive within the female reproductive tract for up to five days. So if a couple has intercourse four days before ovulation, and then the egg is released, sperm is already waiting for that egg. Great. I mean, this would actually clear a lot of things, a lot of air clumsed up in people's mind. But sure. last but not the least, Dr. Katie, what would be your biggest message to couples out there trying really hard to conceive or to the couples who are actually infertile? What would be your message to them? There's always hope. And sometimes it means you have to advocate for yourself in a different way that you've been used to. And if you haven't already started making some lifestyle shifts, it's never too soon to do so. And it's never too late to do so. So as soon as you decide you want to be a parent, making those lifestyle shifts can make a big difference. But even if you've been trying for years, you can still make some shifts and get help. Um, you don't have to do this alone. This is not a situation in which I would recommend people trying to just DIY or 
you know, if they've been waiting for years and they don't want to do IVF, but they've been trying for seven years naturally, like reach out to someone who is a specialist in this to help you. Absolutely. Well, with this, we have come to an end of this episode. Thank you so much, Dr. Katie, for joining in and taking out time from your schedule to speak on this beautiful topic. And yes, I would really agree with the fact that you just explained everything beautifully, precisely, and I would say on point. Everything was so much on point. And this may be triggering for a lot of people out there who are listening and watching this episode. But I know somewhere or the other, every other person is actually getting benefited out of this episode. Because all the young women and men who are listening to this right now could actually work on their lifestyle. And all the couples trying can actually have a better idea to deal with this. Also, Dr. Katie is there for your help. You can reach out to her on Instagram and other social media sites. You will have her links on my podcast everywhere this is posted. Well, again, thank you so much, Dr. Katie, for joining in. I do hope thank you enjoyed you so it much. as much as yeah. we did. Thank, <laughs> thank you so you. much. Well, this is your reminder to straighten your back, have a glass of water and move. But yes, a pro tip for today's episode, start a healthy lifestyle today. Better late than never. This is your sign. This is the right time to start ahead with a healthy lifestyle. Well, we'll see in the next episode. Till then, goodbye. Take care. 